this felt is like this scrappy newcomer. All you need to know is it's gonna do this kind of reactive programming for you. And it's especially nice in my opinion for smaller applications and things like data visualization. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Moritz Stefana and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. In fact, I work as a self-employed truth and beauty operator out of my office here in the countryside in the north of Germany. And I am Enrico Bertini. I am a professor at New York University in New York City and I do research and teach data visualization. That's right. And on this podcast, we talk about data visualization, data analysis, and generally the role data plays in our lives. And usually we do that together with the guests we invite on the show. That's right. But before we start, just a quick note, our podcast is listener supported, so there's no ads. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us with recurring payments on patreon.com slash data stories or if you prefer one-time donations, that's very much appreciated as well. And you can go to paypal.me slash data stories. Yeah, we're always super happy whenever a donation arrives. What, no matter the size, the, the gesture is, is really appreciated. It keeps us going. Uh, as you know, we had a hard time putting out episodes uh, this year. <laughs> <laughs> so and any back. love you send, send across the ether will, will maybe keep us going better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. But let's dive in in today's episode. Uh, the topic today is one that's very close and dear to my heart because I do a lot of like front end development and I like to code my visualizations and do interactive visualizations. And there's always the big, big question about the what's the best framework to do that? What's the best tooling? What's the hip new thing? And to discuss that and one specific framework called Svelte.js, uh, we invited a real expert, Amelia Wattberger. Hi, Amelia. Hi, Amelia. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, what you're doing now? Yeah, my job title is journalist engineer. I'm working at The Pudding. Uh, we do data-driven essays online. Um, I mostly do client projects. And I, my background is I have almost a decade working in web development, uh, more specifically as developer and designer on um, fairly large web dashboards. Mm -hmm. And you wrote a big book on data visualization <laughs> with D3, I think specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, full stack D3 and data visualization, <laughs> a full right. mouthful. Um, <laughs> it's a great yeah. book. I, I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Enrico. Yeah, it's um, it's trying to take you from not knowing D3 to creating complicated web uh, data visualizations using D3 for even people who um, aren't familiar with programming, which... Uh, as we were talking about before, it's a large book <laughs> because it's a large topic. <laughs> There's a lot you have to know these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and here we are with our today's topic because so many people know D3 and often people say like, yeah, interactive data visualization, you use D3 to do that. But the reality is actually a bit more complicated. And by now people almost always use some extra application or a development framework to build the 
complex websites that interactive visualizations often are, right? And we could have a whole other episode about how crazy the complexity has spun out of control in this field. It, it seems really hard to just quickly build a website these days. And I think there's a big barrier to entry because it seems so complex and, and intimidating, right? And um, it, there's so many different frameworks out there. And one framework toolkit uh, we want to look at today is called Svelte.js. And I like it a lot. Like all my projects, like all the interactive projects this year have been built with Svelte and I've been very, very happy with it. So I'm super excited to talk about it and sort of compare it to other approaches, maybe like React or Vue. These are all other frameworks you could use. And I think the first question probably would be, um, yeah, what are these most common frameworks? How are they the same or different? Like, what's the current like landscape of tools, Amelia, that we have at our disposal there? Yeah. Um, so for this, I wanted to give a little bit of a background for people who aren't familiar with JavaScript frameworks, um, and hopefully I can do it justice. Um, so back in the day, we used to hard code our websites, <laughs> everything on the website. We wrote by hand. Um, back in the artisanal days of web development. And <laughs> <laughs> we would write everything that you see on the web page. Um, and this code would be very declarative, um, as in it would describe every single thing that's on the page. Mm -hmm. And over time, we wanted websites to be more interactive and we wanted them to change based on data or based on interactions with the page. So we started using things like jQuery and D3, um, and these libraries are there so that once the web page loads, you can change it. So you can say, um, delete everything in this part of the web page, uh, and then draw a circle in this place, and then go over here and draw a circle over here. Um, this is kind of how D3 will work a lot of the time where you say, here's the data, now do all these things. And that code is a little bit more imperative, um, as in you would describe every step that the computer has to do in order to populate the web page. Um, mm. And it's imperative code is a little bit less fun to write because you have to, <laughs> there's like five steps for every line of declarative code. So in order to draw a circle, you'd say, go mm. over here, uh, draw an arc, um, that kind of thing, you step by step. And then yeah. um, where JavaScript So it's a lot of come, commands that are executed in order, basically. You'd have to tell the yeah. computer every single thing, whatever it needs to, whatever needs to be done when the yeah. user clicks a button or whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it can be really painful to maintain and write, especially for the large web frame, web applications that we have today, like the dashboards I was working on. So then we nowadays we have all these JavaScript frameworks which um, allow you to write declarative code. So you're kind of writing HTML, but you can you're writing it in JavaScript so that when data changes, you can say add this HTML to the page. Um, but you're not writing out each step. And it, there's tons of ways these JavaScript frameworks help. You're basically not going to find a complicated web, web application that's not using a JavaScript framework because mm. it's that much easier. Um, and these frameworks are things like React.js, Vue.js, AngularJS. Those are the really big ones. Um, and Svelte.js, which we're going to talk about today. 
Yeah, and that's that's been a big change. I still remember I was like building websites with like CoffeeScript and Backbone, and we always had these problems, like these bug descriptions. Like when I first click here and then I click there, but then when I go back, then the chart disappears, and we were <laughs> yeah. like, oh, now we have to reproduce all these steps, right, to find the bug. And yeah. in these new frameworks, it's more like you have an abstract description of the state of the web application. And yeah. whenever you draw that state, it just looks the same. You know, it's it's always like the same abstract state will result in the same like application um, yeah. state it's for so the nice. for the user. That's such a huge difference. That was a huge game changer. I think 2015, 16 around, and now that came with React, and and now we have much more frameworks that use the same idea basically. Yeah. And so, how is that called? Like when when you render the state, it's like isomorphic or well, there's a technical term i, I don't know there's but it's so cool much it's jargon. cool it, must, it, must it just works a term. yeah it, it's cool yeah. it just works game yeah. changer right yeah, it's called magic and now on top of that now we have reactive programming right so and and this is where react and svelte come in yeah so reactive programming um and React is kind of a misnomer here where it's not super reactive. Not so um, reactive, that's yeah. true. It's only semi-reactive. <laughs> Sem yeah. It's yeah. semi-reactive. <laughs> um, so reactive programming is like, so there's kind of a natural flow of data for every bit of JavaScript that is written. So um, an example I use is, say, uh, in our code, variable A equals 10. And then after that, somewhere we have a new variable B equals a plus five, so now b is 15, but say that later we change a to be 20. Mm. Um, we don't automatically rewrite or re-execute the code above saying b is a plus five, so then b is still 15. Um, and it can be really frustrating knowing which parts of the code you have to manually update um, as opposed to our code just mm -hmm. knowing what variables depend on other variables. So Reactive programming will tag like what variables depend on other ones and keep in track keep track of the natural flow of the data uh, within that JavaScript so that you could define B to always be A plus five so that you don't have to go back and re-execute any code that updates B. Um, mm -hmm. So it can be really nice for writing your code so you're not always manually updating certain variables. Yeah. And you don't have to tell the machine every single little step, but more <laughs> yeah. you just define on, okay, this is how things depend on each other, and you figure out yeah. the order of updates, yeah. or if something needs to be updated, yeah. which is, of course, is much nicer. <laughs> yeah, computers are smarter than us anyway. Yeah. Let them yeah. do it. They should be good with numbers. Like, let them do this part. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in a visualization, you can already see how that's great because maybe you have a chart and you have like a year slider, right? And you you, you change the year, then of course you want to show the data just for that year. And mm -hmm. and if you have a function that just pulls out of a bigger data set, just the data that corresponds to the year slider's value and put that into a chart, boom, the thing updates. And that's yeah. also, I think, how it's fun to think about these things and not so much about how exactly it needs <laughs> to be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A useful metaphor that I've seen, I think probably inobservable, is that it's very similar to the way spreadsheets work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's 
something that most people can relate to if you change Excel the was content. the future all along. <laughs> <laughs> Some people will be very happy that Excel is actually, right. you know, yeah, yeah, has been right exactly. for decades already. <laughs> But that's the same. You you have a formula and you change yeah. the inputs of the formula. It will automatically yeah. update. It makes sense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excel is interesting because it doesn't have an order. So when you're writing JavaScript, you have yep. like, this is on line two, this is on line three. But Excel is like, we're going to do all of it at once. Yeah. Which is right. kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy how they came up with that in the 80s. I think VisiCalc probably had it already. So probably. Well, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Anyways, back to present day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we have that background. Uh, so can you tell us more about Svelte.js and, and what it is and how it works? Yeah, so Svelte.js is, it's kind of a newcomer. It's, I think it's about four years old, but the the last big release, Svelte 3, came out last year in 2019. Um, the creator of it is Rich Harris, who is a graphics editor at the New York Times, Um kind of a similar job that Mike Bostock, the creator of D3, yeah. had for a while. Um, and it's, So we have to thank New York Times again, I think, <laughs> for yeah. enabling such cool tools. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I have a pet theory for why they have such great tools, but um, we can <laughs> save that for another time. <laughs> um, and Svelte 3 is, um, it was when Svelte went to a more reactive paradigm. Um, mm. So it was kind of, kind of like the birth of Svelte as we know it. So it's really only a year old, which is why it's a lot smaller user base. Um, usually you're going to see big web, web applications using React or Angular, and Svelte is kind of like this scrappy newcomer. Um, and it's especially nice, in my opinion, for smaller applications and things like data visualization. Mm. Um, and Svelte is reactive, so... Uh, it, basically, the way it works is it has this event loop, and if you change a variable, um, it'll keep track of the variables that are changed in this changed object. It'll just add it, and then um, at the end of the event loop, it'll call an invalidate function so that it knows um, all of the things that it needs to update that rely on that one variable. Mm. Um a little bit complicated, but all you need to know is it's going to do this kind of reactive programming for you so that um, you can, say, filter a list and say this filtered list is this list with these things filtered out, and you never have to worry about updating that. It'll, it'll update itself. Um, so things like that can be really, really nice. And uh, one other thing is, uh, this is the case with all JavaScript frameworks, but it's kind of really the big difference between coding uh, data visualizations with and without a JavaScript framework is that things are very component-based. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of writing this long piece of JavaScript, you can break it out into, for data visualizations, like I'll have a line component. So the line itself is its own component, and then an axis is its own component. Mm. And then these things are all reusable. So I can use a line component that I used in one project and pull it to another project, or even have it multiple times in the same chart. Um, so it really changes the way you think about your charts. Um, and again, it's that imperative to declarative shift that's really yeah. nice. And I think a lot of frameworks come with that promise that you can reuse stuff across projects. But for me, it only worked with Svelte. <laughs> Because for instance, in <laughs> React, in theory, that's the same. But then 
So you have style sheets that define how things are, mm -hmm. are styled and look. And in React, by default, they're not coupled with the components. So you might have them externally. So these things might break when you just copy the source code over. And also, you use so many like advanced like ways to connect your React components that it's never the same in any like given project. And for me, it only worked in Svelte that it would just take... Or have the thought like, oh, I programmed that selection list already or that year slider. I just copy it over. It actually works. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this is great, you know, because it sort of Svelte forces you to put everything you need for one component into one file. So it's just one file, not multiple files. And you clearly define what are the inputs and what are the outputs. And there you go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I totally agree. And one of the biggest differences is Svelte feels very respectful of the web and like the native languages that we use on the web, where if you look at a Svelte component, it has a script tag for the JavaScript, and then it has pretty much raw HTML, and then it has the style tag. Um, whereas in React, the styles are usually in a different file. Um, mm. And then the, the HTML that you're rendering is, uh, it's just another syntax for basically JavaScript. Um, yeah. And it a lot in a lot of ways feels like you're writing JavaScript, but then in Spelt, it's like you're really just writing the HTML that'll be on the page, and it's it's kind of subtle, but it feels very different, um, mm -hmm. at least to me. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, I think React tries to make everything JavaScript. Also, styles should be JavaScript objects yeah. and everything <laughs> in JavaScript, and that's also where it sort of breaks sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and for newcomers, like people who are new to the web or new to a project, yeah. it can be really confusing um, when you're like, oh, okay, it's CSS, but it's actually JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I don't know what either yeah. of these things how are. Many just brackets, sort of <laughs> how many brackets? Just tell me how many brackets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Three? laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And so let's say you. you how would a typical like structure of a data visualization project in Svelte look like? Can you describe it how you would set it up? Like, let's say a little line chart or some map or whatever. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I'll usually uh, sketch the chart and then I'll separate it into separate parts. So um, the axis will be one part, uh, an x-axis will be another part, the line will be one part, there's like a legend or there's filters and toggles. And these mm -hmm. are each different parts so that the main Svelte component is just piecing these things together and um, passing the data to each of these components. Um, so a chart will look a lot like HTML, but then you'll have these custom Svelte components um, that just look like custom HTML tags that are like axis and axis and line and line <laughs> or mm -hmm. uh, something like that. And then the biggest thing I think people run, the biggest problem people run into is combining JavaScript frameworks with D3JS mm. um, because they'll see these D3JS examples online, say it's a line chart, and they'll say, yeah. how do I copy paste this into my code? I just want yeah. a line chart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is that D3 and Svelte both want to change the layout of the web page um, mm. or what's called the DOM. Mm. And uh, like with D3, the examples you'll see, they'll have an SVG element and then D3 will use JavaScript to update what's within that SVG element. Whereas in Svelte, you would be writing that declaratively. Um, so 
there's all kinds of roundabout ways that feel kind of hacky where you can kind of switch off to let D3 change which in the web page. Um, but my favorite way is to just use D3 as kind of a utility library. Um, it's great for all kinds of things like manipulating data and um, turning data into shapes on the DOM, mm. um, that kind of thing. And then just letting Svelte render the entire chart. Um, it just makes things a lot easier <laughs> to handle as opposed to like, oh, inside this weird container, D3 is going to do some stuff, but you know, maybe yeah. we'll figure that out later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's been a, a tough like decision for many years. Like, who's in the driver's seat? You yeah. know, it's like, can D three <laughs> change their stuff, or yeah. do you just use the scales and the colors and whatever? Mm -hmm. But then you lose all the interesting, like the nice animations and transitions, which are yeah. really cool in D three. And that was always a big issue with React because, again, this idea that the same application state would result in the same basic DOMs, like the DOM and the same image. That that sort of totally opposed to cool, smooth, game-like, you know, real-time graphics and animations and transitions. And oh, that's been difficult to deal with. And I think by now it's clear, yeah, people want to have that that nice component structure and this really, like, nice way to structure applications. And we have to think about other ways to do the animations and the transitions than to change everything on the fly all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is one thing actually Svelte is really good at is it has built in animations and transitions. Um, mm -hmm. Like you can just import it from Svelte and then throw it on one of your elements and it'll, you know, fade it in or move it really smoothly. And it's a lot nicer than uh, the, the experience in React where mm -hmm. those aren't built in. And um, this is partially because... Uh, a large part of the philosophy behind Svelte is it'll <laughs> the way React works is it'll ship a large bundle of JavaScript to the browser um, for any React app. And right. um, they call this the runtime. And it's basically just these are the things that are React and we need to ship them with your project in order to make it interactive. And mm. Svelte, I think, used to call itself the magical disappearing framework or something, <laughs> <laughs> which I think they've dropped. But it's basically, they'll take out any parts of the framework that you aren't using in your app, and then it'll be a much smaller bundle size. So mm -hmm. they can afford to build in things like interactions and animations in the library that a lot of websites might not use, but then they don't need to include those in the in the JavaScript bundle. Yeah. Yeah, it actually changes all of your code, basically. So it just adds all the reactiveness to wherever yeah. it's necessary, right? And um, and there's no extra library you need to to load to to run it. And that makes it very small also. Like a typical Svelte project is maybe 100K or 200K mm -hmm. in source code. And a typical React project, I would say, often a megabyte, <laughs> actually, you yeah. know, which is, yeah. which is crazy. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, so what what would be your criteria to decide whether to go with Svelte or, or React? Yeah. Are there any guidance <laughs> people can use? Yeah, it can be really confusing too when you're deciding between them. Um, the For the work I've been doing at The Pudding, Svelte is perfect um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is that 
you might be working with a freelancer who is not as familiar with uh, JavaScript, so it's really easy for them to onboard and code with you on a project. Another reason is um, like smaller web apps, kind of like the pudding does, where they're usually one page or a few pages. You're you really want that uh, JavaScript bundle to be pretty small, and Svelte lends itself really nicely to that kind of project. Um, I think still, if I were to start a really large, complicated web application, I would mm. probably reach for React. Um, it, there's kind of this trade-off for different frameworks for between um, having a lot of magic where it's doing a lot of things for you, um, like the reactivity, and mm. on the other side, giving the user total control. Sure. And they're not yep. that different, but Svelte falls for further towards the magic end and React falls further towards the user control end. And it can be a little bit confusing if a lot of things are changing a variable and you have a bug and you're like, I don't even know. I have no idea what's, what's exactly. changing this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, totally true. Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely run into that even with smaller applications. Um, yeah. So, so it can be really confusing uh, with something that's doing a lot more for you. Um, but it's harder to figure out what is going on. <laughs> mm. I would also say, let's say you build a big internal tool, like an internal dashboard, and it's going to be maintained for years, you know, and it really takes a lot of data. React is still the best choice. It's just yeah. a bit, you know, it's the... That's the funny thing. React has actually become Java in a way. You know, it, it, it's React <laughs> Native. You know, it's really yeah. like, you know, testing is super supported. It's like, has like had X major versions already. Everybody relies on it. So it's this big ship. And Svelte is more the, the fun speedboat um, <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for the smaller projects where you just go wild and just add code and it all still works and you add more stuff and, you know, and you just try things out. And I think Svelte is super cool for that. Yeah. Yeah. And we had projects also where we said we just take the Svelte prototype just to develop the design and then we see what to do with it. You know, because you're so yeah. agile and so quick, you yeah. can still copy the, the logic over to some other framework. Once you have figured out what to do, you know, the, the tricky part is often figuring out what to do. And that works so well if you just, you know, drop in a few components, a few sliders and a button and see what happens when you do th these things. And so for prototyping, I think it's perfect. And, and yeah, and just one of websites also. It's like, yeah, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Other drawbacks? We so, like we are both super positive about Svelte, but do we have to admit? <laughs> do we have to admit begrudgingly to. that there are some drawbacks? Um, I love the boat analogy because they're they're kind of inherent trade offs between you know a large cruiser, I don't know what boats are called, yeah. and and a speedboat. Where with React, you have this really large community that's creating third-party yeah. components you can use. There's examples, there's blog posts and tutorials. People have opinions. If you look on Stack Overflow, <laughs> you're going to find an answer for pretty much any problem you have. Um, whereas with Svelte, yeah. uh, it's newer and the community is smaller, so um, it's really zippy. It's the hipster um, choice, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, React yeah. started as the hipster choice, so exactly. you know, it's just this yeah. life cycle of frameworks. <laughs> true, true, yeah. Until the gentrification kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> we have to move again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, the plugin landscape and so on is really, um, it's different for React. On the other mm -hmm. hand, I think maybe that's a, also, again, like a positive that you don't get hung up in all these extra plugins and add even more code and more dependencies. But you just maybe try, you know, if there is no carousel component, you think like, oh, maybe it doesn't have to be a carousel. We can just <laughs> do a grid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it can be helpful to just have simple tools, straightforward tools, and just work with those and not... There's the, the kid in the candy store effect sometimes. If you're just like, oh, I need a tooltip and I need a drop down <laughs> and I need a, uh, and then you, you add all the stuff and you have these huge sluggish apps, right? So. <laughs> Too much candy. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, I think, why, yeah. I, I hope we have some overview by now, like how that works. It's always hard to talk about these practical programming things in a podcast without like really, really doing it. But we hope you have some idea. Mm -hmm. um, you might wonder why, why make things so complicated? And I think, I think that's a complaint I hear often um, that it's has become so hard to just simply build a website, you know, and or simply quickly program something in JavaScript. Like, Why why are things so complicated, Amelia? Does it have to be like that? <laughs> do you think it's going to change again, or like where, where do you see this whole like development landscape headed? <laughs> yeah, you see a lot of people lamenting on Twitter for, oh, the web's so complicated. I can't mm. I can't just make a simple web app. But I think it's a little bit misguided. It as It's still, you can still create the websites that we made in the 90s. Um, and it's easier now. It's just nobody wants to. <laughs> yeah. It just yeah. maybe won't look like all of the other websites. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know, there's a, a nice spectrum of like, so at the pudding, I think about half of the projects will just be vanilla JavaScript um, using D3. Uh, and they're really bare bones. Um, it, and they're being hand-coded and they come out as really great projects. And then the other half are using Svelte and you just have these trade-offs of like, I want tooltips. And like, if you're using Svelte, mm -hmm. you can just drag in this tooltip component. But if you're using this vanilla JavaScript app or HTML app, you're going to have to figure out that code um, and it's going to be a little bit messier. So if you want just this bare bones website, You can do that, and it's going to be easier than ever to create that. Um, that has also you, become easier, just for the record, because there's so many tools where you just write yeah. Markdown or something and publish <laughs> right. it, and there you go. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But like, I personally get really excited. Um, I one of the reasons I really like working at the pudding is I feel like we had newspapers and. Um, they were printed and then we put them online and we're like, all mm -hmm. right, these are new sites. This is great. Now yeah. we have newspapers that we anyone can look at. But it's like there's so much you can do with the web browser. Like we have all mm -hmm. these sensors like location sensors and, um, you know, we have cameras and like maybe maybe a new site isn't appropriate for that kind of thing. But even if you're not using those sensors, there's so much we can do with web browsers. Yeah. I feel like just putting articles online isn't really doing it justice. Um, so I think it's really exciting that there are these tools like Svelte that really mm -hmm. make the easier bits easier and then leave you space to kind of innovate on format of yeah. articles and 
database. Yeah, and you can put it the other way around. So like, it has never been easier to actually build complex applications because this is what we do, right? And th that part has actually always been tough. And I think by now it's actually easier. So, yeah. 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 yeah and people just expect so much. You know, we have all these devices, there's responsiveness. People want to share websites. I don't know. They want to bookmark states in the website. You know, everything's interactive. <laughs> Everything should be animated. Accessible, you know, accessibility <laughs> is huge. No, and it's like the expectations are also just huge by now in terms of how, how rich these experiences should be. And so And you have lots of different devices, by the way, right? Mm -hmm. Oh so yeah. You also have to oh, take yeah. care of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny the different expectations people have for websites is like I'll work on a project for a few weeks and then some people will be like Oh, okay, that took you a few weeks. And then other people will be like, I can't believe you made that all yourself. <laughs> and so like yeah, you can yeah. make a website that has like filters, sharing, yeah. bookmarks, and like this is still a lot of work. Yeah. But like yeah. it like people either really expect it or they're really impressed. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah. yeah. We still have a lot of explaining to do about what we actually do all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Amelia, if if somebody wants to now is excited, wants to try it out and never did it before, what would be the the best way to to give it a try? Yeah, um for Svelte, because it's so new, there aren't too many resources. The mm -hmm. but on the flip side, the tutorial on their official website is really, really good. It's um, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's interactive. You can code in the browser. It'll teach you different concepts step by step and it'll get you started right away. Um, it definitely has one of the best uh, new developer learning experiences. Yeah. So on svelte.dev, um, just go to the tutorial. It's really great. Um, Moritz, it sounds like you've gone through it. Yeah, I love it. And also the fact that you can just change the code in the browser and see the result immediately. And it's mm -hmm. sort of, you always get a little lesson about this is how things work as well. Now try it out on the right hand side, like, you know, make this yeah. slider now, you know, work or something like this. And it's seamless. And within a few hours, you have a really, really good idea of what's how working with Svelte feels like. And and we should mention that there's this REPL, like the R-E-P-L. Mm -hmm. So that's like an online or in-browser runtime for Svelte where you can just change code. And so it is very close then to platforms like CodePen or uh, Code Sandbox or Observable where you can, can just in the browser quickly try out stuff and send people also a link to that and say like, why does mm -hmm. it work? I don't know, you know. And that, again, it's so simple and, and straightforward that it's really enjoyable <laughs> to, to yeah. fix problems with that. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, and then the next step is how do I make a larger, like how do I glue together different components? How do I structure a web application? Um, I have this website svelte.recipes. It doesn't have too many recipes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I plan on building it out. Um, and it has like the base I would use for creating a chart where, um, you know, you're grabbing the data, you're creating your scales, you're uh, splitting it into separate components in the when you're rendering it. Um, there is also an icon component that I use for all of my projects. Mm. Um, icons are great. You should use them, but you often <laughs> don't because they're hard <laughs> to deal yeah, with. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
So yeah. no, uh, I found that really helpful. Also, the recipes website. So definitely awesome. check it out. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. I have a project for the weekend. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. So there's a Svelte uh, podcast called Svelte mm-hmm. Radio. So if you yeah, if you're into podcasts about data visualization and coding, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah, they do a good job. And they yeah. have Rich on, so if you want yeah. to hear from the creator himself. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Uh, there's one talk I also enjoyed by Matthias Stahl. He's at Hicksch on Twitter, and he has um, like a 40 something minutes talk about how he built a whole complex data visualization site in Svelte. And I, I found that very interesting because so rarely you see how a whole project is set up and, you know, and he published also all the code. So for me, it was super helpful to understand how somebody would structure a whole application, how they handle the tooltips and whatnot and, and, and the, and the cookie banner and, you know, all <laughs> these nitty gritty things that, that need to come together. And I, I found that really helpful as well. Yeah, I really like this one, too, because there's other talks that I've seen where they do the more hacky way of combining the D3 mm-hmm. and Svelte. And I really like the way Mateus does it um, in this video. Yeah, it's well done. Yeah. Yeah, and finally, I really also enjoyed working with Layer Cake. So it's a little um, uh, framework for what Amelia described before. So every chart, like most charts, have some access and some legends and some tooltips and whatnot. And it's really just a simple way to structure all these things and to share some information between them, like when the size of a container changes. Oh yeah, that's very easy to detect in Svelte, by the way. When the size of a container changes, you know, it's it's a, it's a huge pain to do that in JavaScript normally and you just yeah. get that for free. Um, yeah. Then like, you would then change like the scales, words. right? Yeah, yeah that's it's so, so good. nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's all these little helpers that you find along the way that that you really feel like, okay, that's uh, I'll add that to my workbench and <laughs> play with it somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot of it comes from the fact that Rich Harris is doing data visualization. Is he's really sympathetic to the struggles <laughs> that we go mm-hmm. with with visualizing mm-hmm. data on the web. So he adds these really fun things like animations and figuring out the size of components on the web page. It's so nice. Yeah. See, see, but that's really funny because I think D3 was explicitly also branded as a data visualization toolkit. And like, incidentally, it also could be used to manipulate the whole DOM and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was always like clear, ah, it's for DataViz. Yeah. And Svelte seems actually much more suited, <laughs> but they yeah. market it more like, oh, it's a generic, like, whatever you want to do framework. But I also... F- feel it ticks all the boxes for what database folks uh, are looking for, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, D3 is like 10 years old now, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what if <it> old? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought it's the cool new thing. Damn it. <laughs> it's still cool, though. Like, yeah, you don't, it is. You don't see it many things well. lasting. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, yeah, developed further and everything. So internally also a lot has changed, right? So it adopts all the new JavaScript stuff. But, but I think what didn't hold up so well is like to use it for a whole application mm-hmm. and, and do everything in D3 because that just drives you bonkers. And, yeah. and <laughs> I think everybody agrees it's just the coolest like toolkit library or like, yeah, like where you pick and choose the, the color functions and the projections and the scales and whatnot, whatever you need, but you combine it somewhere else. Maybe that's the big, the big yeah. learning. 
I think even any chart library you'll find for web data viz, it's going to have D3 under the hood. Like it, you need to learn it if you're going to do data visualization online. Yeah, it's true. Cool. Nice. Yeah. So I hope you'll all check out svelte.dev and just dive into this beautiful world of code that reacts. Uh, we said with the holiday season coming up, I mean, we don't know when you listen to the podcast, but our assumption is <laughs> straight after it comes out. So if the holiday season is still coming up, uh, we have a few database present ideas uh, we wanted to share with you. <laughs> Well, so we have a, a classic. We have the new Tufty book. Yeah. I think it's called uh, Seeing with Fresh Eyes, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have the whole series, you can't really meet. What, what is that? The fifth? Death, oh, yeah. Sixth, fifth Probably from the big ones. Yeah, the fifth book. Yeah. From the yeah. big ones. Mm. Yeah. So that's... um. It's like D3. It's a classic. You have to have it. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't read it. <laughs> Just put it exactly. in. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I'm super curious to check it out. I mean, it's a tough tea. How could you not check it <laughs> out? You have to have it. Yeah, have to. Yeah, it's our obli <laughs> professional obligation. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> and um, what else? That's a little expensive. Is I was thinking about the Axidraw. It's a little robot, programmable, programmable robot for, for drawing with pens. <laughs> it's a really cool toy. I was actually, I don't have one, but I always thought about buying one and do something with the kids. I think it's, uh, I don't know. Maurice, do you have one? Uh, yeah. And I've oh, been using do? it yeah. on and off. Like, I never was really serious about like doing fine art plots with it or whatever, <laughs> but we've been playing a lot. And especially with the kids, like they, they download Pokemons and like trace bitmap command and like different pens. And, and I, I enjoy it a lot. And it really makes you think about like the affordances of a medium, like different things work well on a plot than on screen. And, yeah. And you can do like overprinting, like, you know, use multiple colors and mix them basically on the paper, like drawing and, and painting. And and some things just look super cool on screen and they just look not so great on, on plot. And other things that look super <laughs> simple on screen, but are just magical as a plot. So it's 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 really fun to explore. Yeah. I also think we're so used to doing things online that it's so mm. satisfying to see like your work. In person, yeah. you oh, can totally. touch it. <laughs> yeah, and it actually also yeah. takes a while. You know, it's it's slow. Yeah. It's it it can take like twenty minutes sometimes to do like a map or so, and that makes it more valuable somehow. Or like, <laughs> it's always like you're watching it. It's like, oh, will it work? You know, or will it like will the the Scroll pen up. lose yeah. its ink? Like you know, five <laughs> minutes before the end, or will somebody like you know uh, bump into the table? <laughs> So it's it's a it's a very analog process. I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best pens for the for the Exidraw are the Pilot GTEC C4. That's another recommendation. I just love these pens. They're super fine. They huh. never run out of ink. I don't know how that's possible. Even um, <laughs> is it German? They're just awesome. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a German uh, brand. It's. Yeah, Germany inspired, I would say. <laughs> they might be UK, but uh, it's, it's it's really really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I wanted to recommend is is the book by Stephanie Posavec and Miriam Quick. It's called "I Am a Book." I'm a, a portal to the universe. So you can see it's a very humble humble book. And the book 
actually has a personality. So the book is tweeting also. So if you check that, check it out on Twitter, you'll see it has a very cheeky um, persona. <laughs> and the book is awesome because in a way it's a data visualization book and in a way it's really also not, or it just goes beyond what traditionally is seen as data visualization. It's it's really a book that uses itself as sort of the, the reference frame and, and the medium itself. So, and I don't want to spoil it, so I, I don't want to talk more about it, but I think it's really one of the best new book ideas I've I've seen in the last few years. It's just really, really novel and cool and just so nicely executed. So great present for anybody who has like a heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My recommendation is, uh, I guess, going back to our online world where um, this is really nice too as as a last minute gift idea, which (laughs) I usually need every year is... Mm -hmm. um, Frontend Masters is a it's a collection of educational videos for mm-hmm. web development, um, and there's two courses that could be really relevant to this podcast. Um, Shirley Wu has a D3 uh, fundamentals course, and also Rich Harris has a course on Svelte. Um, I've listened to both of them; they're both great. Would recommend. Cool. How, how long are they? Like, how many like hours is it? Um, the way they do them is they give a one or two full day workshops and then they mm-hmm. split it up into videos. Um, I think, I don't know, I guess eight hours. Yeah. At wow. least yeah. But that's in depth and that's great. Yeah. 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 And that's a good time to learn maybe now new techniques and, and really uh, dive into one of these online like uh, sessions. Yeah. Cool. That sounds great. Yeah. I think that's it. Thanks so much for joining us uh, to talk about this wonderful <laughs> development toolkit and uh, all the best for you and your work at the pudding i hope we can see some of it maybe also uh, publicly soon who knows keep us posted yeah and it's been a string of uh private projects but hopefully yeah. hopefully one soon maybe at some point you'll be able to share. Yeah, yeah yeah so thanks so much and talk to you soon bye-bye thanks amelia thanks for having me bye-bye Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is crowdfunded and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash datastories where we publish monthly previews of upcoming episodes for our supporters. Or you can also send us a one-time donation via PayPal at paypal.me slash datastories. Or as a free way to support the show, if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be very helpful as well. And here's some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so follow us there for the latest updates. We have also a Slack channel where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, go to our homepage at datastory.es, and there you'll find a button at the bottom of the page. And there you can also subscribe to our email newsletter if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish a new episode. That's right. And we love to get in touch with our listeners. So let us know if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or know any amazing people you want us to invite or even have any project you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Don't hesitate to get in touch. Just send us an email at mail at datastory.es. That's all for now. Hear you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. Mm-hmm.